Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, and joining me as always is contributor Shane Kubis. I was off last week on vacation, a nice time to, to kind of sit back and uh, recharge the batteries, if you will, uh, but not so good of news to come back to uh, as we begin the show today. Uh, Clark Haggins has passed away, former Steelers outside linebacker, a guy that I really grew up watching play a ton. And so uh, just tragic news here, Shane. I know, I don't know, it, this might've been a little bit before your time. Do you remember Haggins at all? I do. Yeah, I remember him because uh, I started really watching the Steelers around 2002, three-ish, I believe is when it was right in your, around. right in your range. Yeah. Then. So yeah. yeah, very definitely familiar. Uh, I know you know, watching the Super Bowl, you had the sack in the, in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and had a couple good years, especially statistically, but just a solid all around player, fifth round pick, typical Steelers type guy that gets drafted late develops after a while, makes a good career out of him, out of himself. And just unfortunate. We don't know the the cause of death or, or mm-hmm. that hasn't been disclosed. But regardless of why, you know, you, you hate to see a guy that's not even 50 yet um, and meant a lot to the Steelers uh, pass away so soon. So, Yeah, absolutely. Only 46 years old, leaves behind uh, a son and a daughter. And uh, you, you hate to see that. And Higgins was yeah. one of those guys who he was never really – the guy in the spotlight kind of a little bit overshadowed by like Troy Polamalu, James Harrison, but man, was he an integral part of a fantastic defense there yes. in Pittsburgh uh, in the year they won the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl XL uh, back in 2005, following the 2005 season, he had nine sacks that year. And you, like you said, he had the sack in the Super Bowl itself. So he had a, he had a big season, big contributor in, uh, in that part. And so uh, he will be missed. Um, Anthony Miller was released this week as well Shane and so this was one that kind of caught fans a little bit off guard I think because a lot of people were expecting Miller not only to to make the team but to to carve out some sort of role whether that been as a punt returner uh as a slot receiver and I think that he's a guy that kind of just got a little bit lost in the shuffle and man he has been so unfortunate in terms of his health dealing with another soft tissue injury obviously missed all of last season uh on IR with a shoulder injury and so you're looking at a guy who already, even though he seems like he should be a young guy, he's, he's only drafted as a second round pick back in 2018, uh, same year as, as Terrell Edmonds. Anthony Miller's already 28 years old. I mean, he, he was he was 24 during his rookie season. And so this guy now, it's you're looking at a guy who is who's probably past his NFL prime, certainly past the window of opportunity being already on the bears on the Texans now on the Steelers. Now he's going to be looking for a fourth NFL team. I feel for the guy because I really liked him coming out of Memphis. I thought he was a really solid all around player. Some of his traits remind me a little, a little bit of Antonio Brown, like the way he was just able to, to move and to make stuff happen after the catch, super productive guy uh, in college, but his time with the Steelers has officially come to an end at this point. They've, they've made that announcement official. Now the Steelers have released him. Uh, and so it, it's it looking like I, uh, they're going to be deploying obviously other players in the slot position here. And we're, we're going to break down the receivers uh, and the roles of the, the receivers could have on the team this year. What are your thoughts though, on the decision to release Anthony Miller? 
I think it's telling that they clearly, I think for one thing, this means that one Austin should be at least at, at worst, the fourth wide receiver, right? Mm-hmm. He clearly is going to have a role in the offense. And that's kind of been talked about already during camp. Like it seems very obvious that they have some sort of plan for him. But I think that, you know, Anthony Miller kind of was to a lesser degree what they hope Austin is and probably what they are hoping Austin will do this year. So they may have just felt like the the competing skill set there, like they didn't need to have that type of player on the roster when they already have a guy that they think is going to be able to fill that role. Um, it also, I think, tells you that some of the other guys on the roster, they value their special teams contributions more. And maybe with a guy like Hakeem Butler, maybe they think he might be a better piece on offense if he does stick around on the roster. So I think it's just a combination of just how many guys are currently in camp that they believe in to a certain degree. And the injury mm-hmm. doesn't exactly help him, like you said. It's it's unfortunate, but he is one of those end-of-roster type players to begin with. And then you factor in injuries. He's not going to have any favors with the team if he can't stay healthy. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have Anthony Miller making my final 53-man roster when I did my predictions, but I also didn't see his release happening this early. This early I thought he was a guy yeah. that, yeah, I thought he would at least make it through camp, and, and part of that might have been due to him <coughs> being banged up and just not being able to to stay on the field and get the work in out there. Uh, and again, I think you're looking at, there, there's just too many guys not have hats to go around in terms of his role on the team because the Steelers traded for Allen Robinson. He's an outside receiver by trade, but it certainly looks like the Steelers are going to play him in the slot often. Yeah. And so if you already have him in the slot, you've got Calvin Austin, who I'm guessing at being a sub five, eight receiver is also going to play a lot of slot. There, there probably just wasn't enough room for that guy. A little bit of redundancy there, if you will. Um, and obviously you, you don't want to get rid of the bottom of your roster guys have to be able to carve out roles on special teams and special yes. teams coverage. And so that's what miles Boykin was brought in for. I, I expect miles Boykin to make the team. He's not a right. lock to, I think his, his biggest competition would be like a Hakeem Butler. If, if we could find out that he could play special teams, but Boykin has a huge leg up because of all the snaps that he logged in that department, going back uh, to his time with the Ravens. And so yeah. when you looked at Anthony Miller and you look at, his role on the team. That's why I had him on the outside looking in as a kind of a long shot to make the roster because you had an older guy. Is he going to beat out the fourth rounder from last year? No, he wasn't going to do that. Is he going to be out, beat out the guy the Steelers traded for and guaranteed $5 million salary? He wasn't going to do that either. And so he needed to be like an ACE return man uh, in, in order to, to really have a role solidified on the roster this year. Obviously we didn't even get to make it to that point, Shane. We didn't get to see him at all in training camp. And that's a little bit unfortunate, uh, but it is what it is. It, it, it probably speaks more so towards actually having depth on the roster this year. Like if this was last year, there's no way it, that the Steelers are cutting Anthony Miller. If, if he's banged up yeah, this uh, early, during OTAs yeah. and minicamp. No, yeah. yeah early, because no. I mean, it's, I, I still think that regardless of the fact that he's only has 25 receiving yards since 2020, he's a better receiver than Steven Sims. There's no doubt in my mind that in, in terms of just a receiver, and he's had success in the past in his second year with uh, the bears. He had a, he had a quality season, Yeah, uh, but he just can't seem to stay on the field. Uh, best ability is availability. He doesn't have it. So Shane, let's break down uh, the roles of the Steelers wide receivers or what we think the roles of the Steelers wide receivers will be in 2023. And let's start right off with this, because I know this has changed both you and I, uh, after the schedule release, we've given our 53 man roster predictions. These are going to update, obviously, as the as we move on and certainly once we get through training camp. But let's do this specifically for the wide receiver position right now. 
who makes the team at wide receiver. A lot of controversy, a lot of thoughts out there that I've seen just in recent days in terms of do the Steelers keep five? Do they keep the sixth receiver this year? How many do you think they keep and who are those guys? So I think keeping six is going to ultimately be what they do. And and there's a lot of reasons for that. One, I think it's because you have guys who, if they do make the roster, are injury risks, right? Allen Robinson has missed time in recent years. Calvin Austin missed all of last year. You want to make sure you have guys on the opening roster that you can go to that you don't have to pull up from the practice squad or you know off the street if you need to. So I think that they are going to go with six again. I think that there's five guys that I'm super comfortable with saying are going to make the team. You have your top three, of course, with George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Allen Robinson. Those three are going to make the roster, mm-hmm. barring something on you know unforeseen or something like that. Then you look into Calvin Austin, obviously, you know, coming back from last year. I do think they have a role playing for him, so he, of course, is going to make the team. And then I do think Miles Boykin is a lock because of his special teams value. I think that he does so much on special teams as a gunner. They need someone to fill that role on this roster, and he's kind of the only clear-cut one right now. And mm-hmm. then you get to, do you keep a guy like Akeem Butler if he can show enough special teams ability to stick around? Do you keep Gunnar Olszewski again? Do you, do you look at someone, you know, even outside of those guys? The, Cody White, for example, has been around for a while now in some capacity. I think it seems like they still believe in Gunner to a certain degree for a role. So that's probably where I'd be leaning right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if Akeem Butler shows just some amount of special teams ability and can show that he can make plays in the passing game and in preseason and camp. He could fill that sixth spot. I think that's definitely possible. Yeah. I would lean towards six as well. First of all, if I give the number out there, because I've seen yeah. some others say five, I just, I don't it know just, if the Steelers are going to want to go that thin. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel right to me because of the makeup of the roster. And I think this is one of your deepest positions. I think it's part of the reason why you can get rid of an Anthony Miller right now yes. and not feel any ill effects from it really, because even if you have that, that, that six guy, if Miller was here, he still is competing with Gunnar Olszewski, who is a better special teams player, a guy that can play special teams coverage units and a, a guy like the XFL star and Hakeem Butler, who, if he has a good camp, maybe there's some incentive to keep him there. Obviously if Butler makes it, he's going to be a guy that has to, carve out a role on special teams somehow you can't yeah, be a, capacity, the, yeah. yeah you can't be the last receiver on the roster and not play special no. teams it just doesn't work no, that can. way <laughs> not quite so i i agree shane i think it's going to be six uh and i think that i i agree with the same five that you said too i think that i think that miles boykin is pretty safe because of how solid he has been in special teams coverage units um and i think that Olszewski is a guy that again could stick around and i know that he's been disappointing as a return man but the Steelers don't necessarily need him to do that. I know that you can save a little bit of money uh, by releasing him, um, but it, he, he's probably more valuable just as a as a core special teams player than the money that you would save. Like I'd rather have Oshevsky on the team than bring back like a Benny Snell or something like that. Right. I think that you're you're better off going with what you have to fill that role um, as a special teams player. So those are the guys that we think are going to make it. If we just had to take a guess right now, how do you think the workload is going to be divided this year? So we look at last, I mean, these last three seasons, like Deontay has had a huge market share for the Steelers over 144 targets in every season. That's a lot. I mean, he's consistently like top six or eight in the NFL in terms of targets. Do you think that divide is is still going to be the same way for the Steelers? Is he still going to be the guy that gets peppered with targets underneath because he can routinely get open? Uh, are they going to divide it 
a little bit more evenly this year, Shane, between a, a George Pickens and and for the sake of this, I know that I know that Fryermuth is almost guaranteed to be top three in targets this year in the passing game. But let's let's try to co- keep the focus specifically yeah. on the wide receiving core. How do you think this this uh, workload is going to be divvied up between these guys? Well, so looking at last year, because that's obviously kind of where you want to start is look at how they did things last year. Um, Deontay got 147 targets, right, which was one of the best marks in the league in terms of pure targets, which, again, we expect. Um, Mm -hmm. Pat, like you said, we're going to exclude him, but he was second on the team in 98. Pickens had 84 targets and the combination of Chase Claypool and Steven Sims, who were the primary slot receivers during the season, got a total of about 73. So I hope that that's different. But if we're going off of that, um, my guess is Deontay's still going to be upwards of about 130 targets or more if he's healthy. I'd be surprised if mm-hmm. he gets far below that amount. I'd like him to be closer to 100, 110, maybe even 120 at the most, just because that means that those targets mm-hmm. are getting used elsewhere. But I'd be surprised if he doesn't approach at least 130. I'm hoping Pickens gets close to or above 100 targets this year because clearly he's been so efficient and he was so efficient this first year with his targets. You hope that they can manufacture a couple more uh, deep plays to him and also some more plays to him that they didn't really get a chance to do last year. More you know, in breaking routes, stuff that he didn't really do a lot of last year, get him more involved as a runner after the catch too. Because I do think he has that in his skill set if it's given if he's given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. This offense, as we know, though, doesn't really give people that opportunity, unfortunately. So hoping he gets close to 100 targets. And I think Robinson is going to be between 60 and 75 targets is my guess. If he stays healthy in the slot, I don't think he's going to be a huge, huge part of the passing game, but I think he can be effective as a slot receiver. And then the rest of the receiver targets, I'm guessing most of the rest of them, you're looking at Calvin getting somewhere between 40 and 50, you hope. And then the back end of the roster guys, if they get in the game on, on offense, you know, if they're in the game, they might get a target or two here or there, but it's really those four that I'm looking at. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, we know that the game plan, though, is going to be try to run the football, run the football. Yes. If the Steelers are able to stick with that, uh, then we might not be able to get numbers that high. And so right. just looking at last year, Shane, uh, Chase Claypool had 50 targets in eight games before he left. Steven Sims only had 23 on the season, despite being with the team for 12 games. I mean, that's 73 targets right there from those two slot receivers. So I think the most interesting thing and the thing that I'll that I'll be – the most interested to see this year is between Allen Robinson and Calvin Austin, who gets the most targets there. I think it's going to be Robinson. If I had to guess being the veteran guy, uh, but I want to see how that is divided in, in the certain packages where they use Austin over Robinson, like in a perfect world, 
you want Robinson to beat out. Uh, I'm excuse me. You want uh, you want Calvin Austin to beat out Allen Robinson. That probably means that it's good for his development that he's come a long way and that he is explosive enough and, and has shown enough to be able to beat out the veteran there who's who's got a ton of experience. And so uh, I'll be interested to see how the targets shake up there. I agree with you though. I, I, Johnson's need to come down. They've got to come down this year because even if he's more efficient, even if he looks more like he did in 2021, I still don't think it's the best thing for your offense to just pepper one player, especially when you've got a guy like George Pickens uh, making plays at a very high rate. He had one of the highest explosive play rates in the NFL in terms of wide receivers last year. He was 13th in the NFL in yards per target. Obviously, we want to see Pat get the ball more as well. So. I think that a better balance is the way Steelers should be approaching it. But again, I get it. You got a young quarterback and you're looking at a guy, not even a young quarterback. You can go back to, to Ben, Ben, like throwing to him because he's a guy that can get open. So your eyes don't have to go all over the field. You know that you're, you're counting on a guy to get open and he does that well. So uh, I'll be interested to see how those get divided there. Uh, In terms of efficiency, Shane, who do you think is going to be the most efficient uh, receiver on the Steelers this year. And, and last year it was George Pickens by a mile, 9.5 yards per target, nearly 110 pass rating when thrown to, is that going to continue again this year? If he does see an uptick in targets uh, or do you think that's going to, that's going to shift? I think the only person on the roster in the receiver group that has a shot at dethroning him, and it's going to be on a lower amount of targets is Calvin Austin. And that's because the explosiveness aspect, if he gets mm-hmm. off a couple big plays and he only ends up with, 30 or 40 catches, he might end up being a little bit more efficient on a per catch basis or per target basis. But this is George Pickens to lose, right? Like this is a guy that not only because of how he plays, but because of the fact that Deontay Johnson is a guy that just kind of soaks up targets and receptions. He's probably not going to get very far above 10, 11, 12 yards per catch, just based on the nature of how he's used. You know, we're excluding tight ends in this case. So Pat, you know, could theoretically do that, but tight ends generally aren't going to mm-hmm. be super high in terms of per target or per catch rankings there. Allen Robinson is going to be lucky also, I think, to get far above 10 yards per catch just because of who he is as a player at this point, unless he gets a couple chunk like deep balls or something like that out of the slot, which I don't expect. It's really, I think, a race between Austin again, based on his usage and then, you know, Pickens again. So if that doesn't mm-hmm. happen, that either means that Pickens was super inefficient, which is a bad sign, or hopefully it means that Deontay had a uncharacteristic season or something like that, which would be great. But not betting on that at this point is great. I think we kind of know who he is as a player. Yeah, I, I think that Pickens is probably going to run away with that title again. Shane, here's the numbers from last year. In terms yes. of yards per target, Pickens was at 9.5, which is really good. Like I said, thir- 13th good. in the league. Uh, after that was Connor Hayward, a small sample size. Right. But 8.9, very impressive. Benny Snell, obviously very small sample size. Gunnar Olszewski, right. small sample size. Then it was Pat Fryermuth at, at 7.5. And there's no other receivers really that even had a respectable no, yards per target number. Deontay at was at 6.0, which is awful. Just bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Stevenson was at 4.5. Yeah. I mean, that is worse than, than dumping the ball off behind the line of scrimmage to a backup yeah, running. But those are, that's bad. That's really bad. So, uh, we got to see those numbers improve across the board. Obviously I'd be okay. If Pickens is came down a little bit, if it meant that Johnson's was taking a, a big leap forward, because for the amount of times the Steelers probably intend to target him this year, that'd probably be more beneficial to the team. Obviously don't want Pickens to take a step back. I want it. I, I'm hoping Shane, I'm hopeful that 
that Pickens can show kind of traits of a wide receiver one. Like I, I kind of been feeling from the beginning, one of my high end comps for him is like the T Higgins type of receiver. Like you may never be an elite separator or, or you might not play like an elite athlete, even though he tested as a, a 93rd percentile athlete, but you're just so the way you contort your body at the catch point that your natural football ability, your ability to high high point the football. If you can be a player like T Higgins, like I, I genuinely believe that that Bengals have two number one wide, wide, yeah. wide receivers. They just happen to have a Very top three receiver sets. in the league in, yeah. in Jamar chase. And then still another wide receiver one in T Higgins. And so it's super valuable to an offense. It would do wonders for, for Kenny Pickett. If Pickens was able to take another step forward. I think a lot of that depends on though, his ability to improve as a route runner ability to prove after the catch two areas where he really wasn't very good and the route tree is so small. So I do give him a little bit of grace there. If you improve that route tree, the other stuff is going to come with it. The, se the separation numbers are going to go up. Uh, the yards after the catch numbers are going to go up. So let the guy work over the little bit over the middle of the field uh, more than he did as a rookie, because his route tree was just so small goes and comebacks and not a whole lot more than that. Uh, if you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Steel Curtain Podcast, please consider subscribing to the Steel Curtain Podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. All right, Shane, we're going to shift from wide receivers now, and we're going to talk about ranking the top five most valuable Steelers for the upcoming 2023 season. We've kind of reached that dead point in the offseason. The draft has died down a little bit. Uh, we're, we're not, we still have a month to go until training camp and so let's go into this topic one that i think is really interesting and there's going to be a lot of different viewpoints uh if you guys are here joining us please leave your comments in the chat if you have any questions for us please drop them in there and as we go through this list if you agree disagree please let us know uh these are my rankings here and shane we're going to go by them starting at number five we're going to go all the way to number one most important players on the Steelers. now this does not necessarily mean that these are the best players in respect to their position, just which ones will have the biggest impact and are most important to the success of the team this year. So let's kick things off at number five, Shane. I've got safety Minka Fitzpatrick, three-time all pro safety on a hall of fame pace. Really? I think that <laughs> yeah. he could really accolade put himself, wise. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 In, in terms of his personal accolades, he could really put himself, firmly in that pace with another all pro season this year, that would make four. And we found Shane uh, doing some research. That really is a threshold. Like you get to the fourth first team, all pro you, you're sitting pretty in terms of uh, your potential to make the hall of fame someday. And, and Mika could certainly do that. I mean, he's only halfway through his career right now. And so uh, that's something that can happen now. Why do I only have him number five, Shane? Well, I think the value of the safety position in general is, is not all there. Now, if you yeah. get a guy like Minka, that's a very valuable player. And it's why he's cracking the top five. Most safeties in the NFL, you're, you're not going to have them near a top five player on your team just because it's not a very valuable position on a whole. And it's, it's in general, uh, Minka, however, I think that when he is there and he is healthy, he is a guy that just makes plays. We saw that last year tied for the league league and in interceptions. Uh, it's not the first time he's taken the ball away either. And so I, I think that this is a guy that, and, and even when, when Watt was out, I mean, he was kind of the leader of that defense there in, in making plays still. Um, I've got him fifth on my rankings. Do you think that he should be higher, lower? What do you think? I think this is fair. And like you said, the safety position is very hard to evaluate because a lot of the time it's not as important as, you know, obviously outside corner or some other positions on defense. 
But when you have a player of Minka's caliber, right, and we go back to when we had Troy Polamalu and back in, in time when we've had other safeties as well, that they change how you're able to play defense. Whenever you have a guy like that, it does elevate mm-hmm. their level of importance to your team because for a team that plays a lot of man coverage, a lot of cover two, a lot of cover three, where Minka might be the guy in the back end that has to cover everything for you. His ability to do that and to take the football away, which is the key thing, that's the thing that our defense was missing during that lull in the mid-2010s when we had talented players, but we weren't taking the ball away. We weren't able to get off the field as easily because of that. Once Minka showed up and that started to happen where the ball production from him and other guys started to get better, that's when this team started to go back to its roots as a defensive first football team. And his ability to continue to do that is going to be what, especially for a mostly young secondary outside of, you know, Patrick Peterson being brought in, but, you know, we're not sure what we're going to get out of him at his age. Who knows if he were to fall off. You're asking a lot of either young players or guys that aren't the most talented to pick up a lot of the slack. So Minka has to, because of that, keep that level of play up. And if he were to not do that, which we're not expecting him to, that could certainly spell a really rough season for this for the defense in general. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's any coincidence at all that the Steelers jumped up to be the number one DVOA yeah. defense, number number one mostly across the board. As soon as they made that trade for him in 2019, yeah. they were number three defense the following year. Uh, had a little bit of a setback in 2021. Wasn't quite the same dominant player. And, and this is the problem with the safety position, Shane, is it's so contingent upon how many big and splash plays you make. And so if Mika has a year where he's not quite making as many, uh, his impacts are not going to be felt quite quite as strong. And, and so this is the issue that we have with safeties. I don't know if Steelers fans realize how fortunate they are, though, to go from Palomalo, have a bit of a gap, and then have Minka because yeah. that's very rare. And most teams have safeties that are draft and replace, draft and replace, go out and In get a, a mid-level free agent. And there's just not – to me, Shane, they're kind of like the running backs of the defense. There's just not a huge difference between them all. Unless you get that elite guy. So in, in Minka is basically like having the Nick Chubb of the running back position. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and so he's, he's valuable to the team. So there are four names still that I have as more valuable uh, to the Steelers success for the upcoming season. And so I'm going to get to a real controversial one right here. And that's number four is Deontay Johnson. Do I believe that Deontay Johnson is a better player than Minka Fitzpatrick? By no means, Shane. Absolutely not. Right, But there's a lot of evidence to suggest that wide receivers are just more important players in general, especially one where that draws so much of the market share like Deontay Johnson does with getting 140 to 160 targets every year. And so pro football focus has a stat called war wins above replacement wide receivers are second only to quarterbacks. Shane, they even have them more valuable than edge rushers and offensive tackles. Uh, That's how valuable pro football focus believes they are. Whether you agree with that or not, I I think that the consensus would agree that the average wide receiver is still more valuable to a game than the average safety. Now where you're splitting hairs though, is you get an elite safety like Minka and a quality wide receiver on a good day, like Deontay, which one's going to be more valuable it still might be the guy Shane that is getting 12 to 14 targets a game because he has such an impact on how many points that team's going to score, how many times they're going to get in the red zone. Johnson obviously needs to be much, much more efficient than he was last year. But if he looks like 2021 Johnson, and especially the, the guy that played the first 10 games of that season, there's reason to believe that he could certainly be more valuable to the team's success 
than Minka this year because of the position that he plays. Do you agree or disagree with that? So the, the general premise of him being important because of his position, I definitely understand and I agree with because, again, safety is mm-hmm. as good as Minka is. He has to force the issue to be able to create plays. Deontay is going to be force-fed opportunities to create plays. So it is much more important that he shows up every week because he's going to be forced to be in a position where if he doesn't show up, everyone's going to know. Minka can have a game where maybe the ball just doesn't come to him or maybe you know teams do a good job of avoiding him. And it might not mean that the defense plays bad, but he just might not be the specific reason that anything happened in the game outside of just being somebody that they have to avoid. And maybe it funnels the offense in a good direction for the defense. But in terms of impact, like Deontay is going to be given opportunities regardless every week that he's healthy to move the football. I will say the only thing I'll say here is I think that the more important receiver on this team because of what I expect from Mm -hmm. Deontay is George Pickens because Mm -hmm. Deontay, we kind of know at this point, even on his good days, we know who he is as a player. And because of the way the offense is being called, unless that changes, he's probably just not going to be significantly better or more efficient than he was last year because even though he isn't the best after the catch because of his weird thing that he likes to run backwards and do all stuff, like even if he just straight up ran like perfectly every time, the run after the catch is just isn't there in this offense. And unless that changes, mm-hmm. his impact is dulled. It just is because he, yeah, he can route somebody up and he can get open. But if it's an out route, that's eight yards into the sideline and he goes out of bounds and it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like that's a good mm-hmm. play, but he's not making these huge impactful plays. So unless they do get him down the field more, unless they can get him open on some of these posts and some of these shots down the field and he can stay in bounds. Cause that's something that he's always been great at that last year. He didn't come down with a lot of those sideline catches that we've seen him make. If those things do improve, then he will be an important thing and it will matter a lot how he plays. But I think it's going to end up falling more in George Pickens, really elevating his game Mm -hmm. and becoming more, like you said, like that, you know, wide receiver one and that, you know, that T Higgins mold where Mm -hmm. you can give him eight, nine, 10 targets a game and he can make good on those, not just on the deep balls. So I agree with the premise. I do wonder, though, that it, even if Deontay plays better, how much more will it matter because of the offense that he plays in? Exactly. And, and that's, again, two different schools of thought there, but I 100% yeah. get what you are saying, Shane. And I, my mind almost went there as well. And so the only reason that I decided to go with Johnson instead was because you look at 147 targets last yes, year compared to 84. 84. Yes. The, the usage is almost doubled. And so I think just the pure impact on the game, whether we like it or not. And again, this is yeah. not my, it's, again, we, we don't very, want it to be this way. It's not our choice that we want Johnson to double George Pickens and targets. I think if I could just take one player moving forward, it's Pickens, obviously. Yes. yes and, yeah. Even just after one year, because I think that at least he, he offers the upside. He was extremely consistent at the catch point and he was far more efficient. But because the market share is so heavy for this receiver, like I said, top eight in the NFL, all three, all three of the last three seasons, it, it, so much of the team's offensive success is going to depend on how he does. And that's why he has to be better in the red zone. He has yeah. to be better after the catch. And if he does uh, take a step back to where he was in 2021, I think that he, you could argue that he's more, the more valuable player at Pickens at, th- at that point because he's going to be the guy yeah. that's getting nine to 11 looks a game and Pickens will be getting four to seven. And, and so you hope that the paradigm shift happens a little bit greater than that, obviously, because I think that obviously I think that Pickens is a lot closer to Deontay. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be one doubling the, the receiver no. and targets than the other. Uh, but I do think, unfortunately he does have a big hand in this team's success. And so we'll see how that plays out.
Number three on the list, Shane. And so these three, I think most would agree would be the like the consensus top three coming here. Number three, I have Cameron Hayward, even in his old age. It's so hard to count this guy out. And eventually, Shane, we know that Hayward is going to fall off. But I just feel like he's going to be that Calais Campbell type player where you can play strong until like 37, 38 years old. And, and maybe he can walk away on his time. Uh, that the fall off could happen this year. We don't know because anytime you get to this point, you're out kind of operating on, on borrowed time. Uh, Hayward is towards the end of his NFL career, but he's still coming off an all, all pro caliber season and one that he could have had those accolades again last year. He's just a good football player and he's not only good, he, he might be the most consistent player on the team. He just, in terms of taking on double teams, getting pressure on the quarterback, the most consistent run defender. And the reason I have him third in terms of the team's success is even though I think the wide receiver position on a whole is more important than an interior defensive lineman, what Hayward offers as an all around football player is spectacular. And if you lose this guy, you don't have a, a Stefan to it anymore to fall back on. I mean, you Steelers would be in real trouble. They've already been a bad team. Uh, it, in the past at times when it comes to defending the run. And if you are forced to miss Hayward being on the field for any amount of time, that's really going to hurt your, your defense a lot. Yeah. I think for me at this point, he's as important as he's ever been, because even mm -hmm. though the interior defensive line is improved from Pat from last year, you bring Ogan Joby back, you bring in Keanu Benson, who I do think is going to be an impact in year one. DeMarvin mm -hmm. Leal's a year older and you hope that his role is more solidified. You have guys there that you hope can elevate themselves past what the group could do last year. But it's still, if he gets hurt, this becomes very quickly one of the weaker interior defensive lines, especially in the AFC and across the league, really, just because of the fact you have one guy who has a proven track record, and that's about it. And that's not where you want to be in an division that can run the football the way that they can. And really in the AFC can run the football the way that they can. As much as it's become a passing conference with all the great quarterbacks, if a team can run on you, they're going to do that. It's just it's just easier and more effective if you can run the ball that's down somebody's throat. It, it you know so for me, if if Cam doesn't play like he has the past really you know five six seven years, that could open up this this run defense especially because I think the pass rush will, will be in good shape as long as the edge rushers stay healthy. But if Cam can't help with the interior run defense, it could get ugly really fast. We don't have a lot of true run defenders on this in this group really. So if, if he can't maintain the point of attack like he's done for us for several years, like you said, that's going to really be an issue for this team, especially with new linebackers trying to get acclimated as well. Yeah, and, and like I said, Shane, there are positions that are more important than this, but this is, it, I mean, you, you have quarterback, edge, wide receiver, offensive tackle, uh, and I didn't have an offensive tackle making this list, spoiler alert, because Cam is just so much better than the offensive tackles the Steelers have right now and so i think that his impact if, if the Steelers were to go to go from if broderick jones got hurt and you went back to dan moore that's not nearly as big of a loss to their football team for this particular season as it would be losing cam hayward and then shuffling a rotation of guys through there because the gap between hayward and the next best guy is so sizable right now and again you're, you're talking about over the last four years or so shane i think that Really, if you're looking at that size as a collection, I think he's second only to Aaron Donald in that yeah. in that span in terms of his his overall play, his consistency, uh, in terms of all interior defenders. Obviously, a little bit different roles there, uh, but the guy is just so valuable, and so he's not a player you want to lose. Fortunately, 
knock on wood, been very healthy. Yes. Uh, over the years, had he had a peck tear of his own a while back now. That was that was earlier in his career, but he's been very healthy. And so we hope that he can stay that way. Uh, the Steelers are absolutely going to need him if they want to have a shot uh, and make it a run here in 2023. Number two on the list, I've got the great TJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Year in 2021. Watt has been so banged up these last two years, and it makes me sad because the pace was just so remarkable. Yeah. And now in, in, in having the peck tear last year, only recording five and a half sacks, even with that, Shane, even with missing nearly half of a season and getting a setback the way that he did last year, he's still third in, in terms of sack production over his first six years in NFL history. Reggie White, Demarcus Ware, TJ Watt. That's your list right there. And he could be right up there with the in terms of personal accolades with the best of them had he not had that injury last year. Even if you go back to 2021, Shane, the impact was still felt. He was still a playmaker, wasn't as uh, consistent and, and didn't quite get the same pressure rate as he did in 19 and 20 because he was dealing with a hip, knee, and groin injury. They were, they were kind of ongoing injuries. They flared back up at points in the season. He missed two full games. He exited the contest early in two or three others. And so even in his, even in his defensive player of the year season, Shane, he was still uh, banged up. So you can imagine if this guy gets back to full health right here, prime of his career, 28 years old, he is going to be a difference maker. And we know that. And we know we, we've seen enough of TJ Watt to know that if this guy is healthy, and I made a case, I made a point in the past, Shane, that the Steelers quarterback situation, because it was it was faltering with Ben, and you look at like early last year, you might argue that you that TJ Watt could be number one on your list. And typically yeah. you would never say a quarterback is is always the most important. TJ Watt was so valuable to what he offered the team. And you can see that by almost every metric, the Steelers were on pace to be the fourth worst sack team in NFL history, according to Stathead, when TJ Watt was absent from the lineup uh, during his stint on IR. When he comes back, it's just a totally different ballgame. Alex Highsmith gets 11 of his 14 and a half sacks with TJ Watt in the lineup. Hayward gets more of his with Watt. The team gets a better pressure rate, and he just offers something to the entire team that nobody else on this team can do. And he's in terms of who he is. I mean, he is just a better player than everybody else. He's a more impactful player than everybody else. When he is healthy quarterback is the most important position. TJ Watt is really good. How is he in the right spot? Shane, would you have him second in your rankings? I think because of again, the fact that the quarterback is so important, you kind of have to put him at two and no higher. I think that you could argue last year when Trubisky was asked to start the season, and then you had rookie Kenny Pickett in there. You could argue, like you said last year, that he probably was the most important player to this team in terms of winning. As, as crazy as that is mm -hmm. for most teams for that to be the case, it kind of was because this offense was yeah. designed to kind of limit the quarterback's ability to really mess anything up per se, and also it limits their ability to help as well. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, because of that, I think last year when TJ was out, you saw that as much as Kenny really improved down the stretch, and that was a big reason why they finished the season 7-2, and two, another big reason is TJ Watt was playing in those games. So that's kind of what it comes yeah, down it, to. Is it works out that way. Yeah. It, it really is, Shane. And, and it seems like a bizarre thought. Like always, almost always, you're going to pick the quarterback. But it was the gap between Pickett as a rookie and Trubisky big enough to say, I would rather have either of these two quarterbacks or would I rather have TJ Watt playing? I think that there's enough evidence that we're gathering now. I mean, 
Watt has missed a good chunk of time. He's yeah. missed 11 games, and the Steelers are 1-10 in 10 without <laughs> him. I, and it's not like they've just yeah. played all – all-star teams, right? Like and all playoff, playoff teams. teams are... Here, I, I've got it right in front of me here because I broke this down a yeah. little bit ago, Shane. These are the these are the quarterbacks that the Steelers have lost to over TJ Watt's career when he does not play. Mike Glennon, Baker Mayfield. You get a couple of good ones in there: Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, in uh, Josh Allen, and then he's lost to Mac Jones, Jacoby Brissett, Zach Wilson, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, and Jalen Hurts, who's good. So, I mean there's a lot of bad quarterbacks and bad teams mixed in here and the Steelers aren't, do not take care of business in these games when Watt doesn't play. And, and so I, I think there's enough evidence now. And, and not only that, but the Steelers sack rate is almost three times higher when TJ and when TJ Watt <laughs> is playing football. And so I don't think any of these yeah. things are coincidences at this point. Uh, but that does lead us to our number one player. And that is quarterback, Kenny Pickett. I assume that Pickett is going to take a jump this year. And your quarterback should be, should be, Shane, the most valuable player on your team. I think that that will be the case with Pickett this year. I think that because of the jump that I expect him to take from year one to year two, now you're going to be at the point, Shane, where you're going to say, yeah, I would rather have Pickett than TJ Watt if I can only choose one guy because going back to Trubisky would be devastating at this point. You want that to be the case with Pickett where you can say, Yes, he's at least a mid-level starting quarterback, and a mid-level starting quarterback is important to a team. And so I think I expect him to take that leap. Obviously, he's got a lot of work to do in terms of improving his yards per attempt. He was near the bottom of the league in terms of yard per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt. Uh, I think those numbers will go up. I think he will improve with time. And we saw him down the stretch. I mean, this is a quarterback. Even though the game plan was, was pretty blah and included a lot of running and the, the schedule wasn't great, uh, down this the stretch in terms of difficulty, Pickett was six and one in his last seven games with the Steelers, and again that's excluding the game where he threw one pass against the Ravens and exited the contest in the first quarter. Six and one down the stretch, he had four game winning drives last year, which tied Ben Roth Ben Roethlisberger's season high, and he had two of them that came in big moments against the Ravens. And the Raiders was the Raiders game was the, the Christmas Eve game. And so you see some of the signs that you like from him. He plays inarguably the most important position in football. He's entering his second year, which historically is the, the year we've seen the biggest jump uh, for quarterback play. And so there's plenty of evidence to suggest that. Yeah. The, and not only that Shane, but the Steelers have kind of revamped the offensive line around him. Pickens is another year uh, in it, another year improved uh, uh, hopefully. And, and so you, you add Allen Robinson, you add Calvin Austin, Pat Fryermuth again, he's, he's, he's ascending. And so you assume that Pickett is going to take that leap. Uh, do you think that it's, it's right to have him at the top of this list? Like, like I said, I think you have to with any team pretty much. I think the only team you can make an argument for their, their quarterback, not being their most important player is San Francisco. <laughs> That's because it doesn't seem to matter who their quarterback is. They get like mm -hmm. relatively the same results, which is, and that's more about the offense than anything else. Yes. But but with, with Kenny, I think the question that we all have or that we all should have is, is he going to ascend to the point where the offense itself transcends what he could do last year? Or is he simply, and this is the kind of the concern, but not necessarily the end of the world, does he just run the offense that happened last year as good as it can be run? That's, mm -hmm. I think, the question. Because if he simply, if all he ends up doing is, 
running the offense that was called last year for the most part, just much better because he's older and he's got more experience in it. It's going to you're going to see a jump, just maybe not as big of a one as you hope. But the question for me is, is Matt Canada and the rest of the Steelers brass going to allow him to transcend the offense that's being called? Is he going to be allowed or encouraged to, okay, we're calling this play, but if you don't see it, make something happen. Look for George down the field. Look for Deontay down the field. Make, you know, get, get a first down you know, running like he was able to do last year. If they give him that autonomy to say, okay, mm-hmm. we know what we're trying to accomplish on offense, but if it's not there or it's not going to get us where we need to go, now it's on me. Let me go make a play. That has to be, in my opinion, what they do. Because if they don't give him that ability or they don't instill that confidence in him to say, okay, we want you to do this if it's available to you. Look look at mm-hmm. some of the games at the end of last year. The, the touchdown to Najee against the Ravens to win the game where he breaks out of the sack, turns around and throws down the field to him. Stuff like that. That's the type of stuff that has to happen more consistently, whether we want it to or not. I'd love the offense to just be better called. But we have the same offensive coordinator, so I can't assume that's going to happen. It comes down to what Kenny's able to do on his own with this receiving core and with an offensive line that should give him the ability to do more of those off-script things without having to break out of a sack or to necessarily have to run away, per se, of guys, but just find open Mm -hmm. space and get the ball down the field. If he can do that, not only is he the most important player because he's going to be anyway, it could mean that the Steelers' offense can actually be the reason they win games occasionally and not just enough to get it done mm-hmm. when the defense shows up. That's the key for next for this year coming up. Yeah. And it's a fine line and it's, it's hard to find that balance because I know that the Steelers game plan is going to be run the ball, take good care of the football, play good defense. At the same time, you don't want to hamstring him, but exactly. you can't ask him to go out there and be Patrick Mahomes either, where you're just slinging the ball 45 times a game and, and you're just going to make enough things happen without, without bad things happening either. And so, uh, I, I think that it's finding the balance between the two. I want him to be closer to Tony Romo than I do to Andy Dalton at the end of the day. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you that. want is, is the guy. And, and I, I throw those two examples out there because I feel like his, his play style is a little bit Romo esque. And I think I can, you kind of see some of that with the way that he moves around his feel for the pocket, uh, his ability to kind of e- extend the play, keep his eyes down the field. And that's a, that's a good thing. And so uh, I want to see those type of traits can continue to grow. I wanted to see him make those plays more consistently. And I want to see Matt Canada uh, loosen loosen the, the leash on his collar a little bit there to say, yeah, go out there and make a play for us. Go out there and do your thing. And so uh, have it more like it was during his pit days with Mark Whipple, where he can say, yeah, you can go out there and I trust you that you are going to extend the play. And I don't care if you hold the ball for three, four, five seconds at times. If you're going to find players down the field, that's what we want. And so the Steelers need to be willing to, they need to be willing to do that at the risk of taking some sacks and at the risk of potentially throwing a few more interceptions throughout the season. Because to me, if you're scoring 18.1 points per game, like they did last year and you're taking care of the ball, then what's the purpose? Like it It doesn't No, And and even if you weasel your way into the playoffs with, with nine or 10 wins as a wild card seed, and you're not scoring points, how can you expect to do it in crunch time when you're going to be going against the best the AFC has to offer and some of the best quarterbacks? This is a strong quarterback conference. I mean, you might get stacked up against Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, whoever. Any combination of quarterbacks you play in the AFC is going to be tough. So you have to be able to find a way to outscore these guys, to put points on the board. Regardless of how the Steelers decide to do this, Shane, I do think that Pickett will be the most valuable player on the Steelers this year because 
so much of the team's success depends on him now. You can have a great draft. You can have a healthy TJ Watt. You can have all these things working towards you now. You can have an improved offensive line uh, and, and just be a better roster across the board. If your quarterback doesn't take that jump, you're not going to be where you need to be. This is a huge year for Kenny Pickett. I don't think that he's on his last legs or anything that way, but it no. is a big year in terms of his progression, his development. And I, I think it's going to be very telling, Shane, the type of quarterback that, that we are going to see moving forward based on kind of what he does this year. Is he going to show us enough where he can jump up to like a tier two, tier three quarterback? Can he be a potential top 10 quarterback, Shane, in the NFL? Or are we truly looking at a guy that's just going to be that game manager, mid-level starter at, on a good day? And so we're, we're hoping that it's it's the former, obviously. Uh, and so we'll have to see what we get from him. Any other thoughts on this list, Shane, that you want to share? Uh, the only thing I wanted to mention again with, with Kenny, and this is just kind of a, a reason to, to kind of go with what I said before, but it's going to come down to them allowing him to do more of this. The best mm -hmm. this offense looked all year was in the moments whenever they didn't have a choice, but to let Kenny rip the football in the middle of the field and down yeah. the field. And I think that there's clearly a reason for that because whenever he was given the ability, when he knew like, okay, this is on me now, he showed up whenever he was given that opportunity. You look at the Raiders game to go win that game. You look again at the Ravens game, the drive to get down there. I think of the throw to Steven Sims where there's nowhere to get that football and somehow he still gets it in mm -hmm. there. Like that's the type of stuff that if they give him the ability to do, he's already shown it in spurts as a rookie. There's no reason for me to believe that's suddenly going to go away or that he can't do that. So if the Steelers, if we look at this offense and it's week five and it's the same thing as last year, then one, that just tells me more and more that Matt Canada should not have been retained even this year just to finish out his contract. And two, the Steelers are too afraid of their own failure on offense, mm -hmm. possible failure, than they are to be excited about him as a player and allow him to be the guy that he should be. So I just hope for his sake and for the Steelers' sake that they understand who they're dealing with here because regardless of your feelings about Pickett, mm -hmm. he clearly he, he can't play the way he was asked to play last year ever be more than a mid-level starter he has to be given the leash to go out there and throw the football around a little bit especially whenever the offense isn't working like you have to open things up whenever that's happening and i just hope that they're willing to do it yeah and kenny pickett clearly has confidence we hope yes. that the quarter the, the the coaching staff has the same level of confidence in him that he has they say they in do himself. so I, they and, show and we will, they show we will find that out this year so again my rankings one more time i have kenny pickett as my most valuable player in terms of success for this team in 2023, I have TJ Watt, number two, Cameron Hayward, number three, Deontay Johnson, number four, because of the volume that goes through him in that offense, and Minka Fitzpatrick, number five. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you guys have anything you want to share, please drop them in the comments Absolutely. section here on yeah. YouTube. Uh, and thank you all for joining us on the Still Curtain Podcast today. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast. And thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.